Strange Tales. RelicRadio.com presents tales of the strange and bizarre, the weird and the wicked. Stories not necessarily of the supernatural, but of the unnatural. Join us now for Strange Tales, featuring radio drama at its most mysterious and unusual. Strange Tales. Thanks for joining me this Sunday. We've got a double dose of The Strange Doctor Weird this week. Series that aired from November of 1944 to July of 1945 over Mutual Stations. 29 episodes. We're going to hear two today because they're only 12 minutes long. The first is from January 30th, 1945. It's titled The Man Who Lived Twice. After that, it's The Knife of Death from February 20th, 1945. Here's Doctor Weird. Strange Dr. Weird. Good evening. Come in, won't you? You seem a bit nervous. Perhaps it would help if I told you a story about a friend of mine who had a most unusual experience. You see... He was executed first, and then committed murder afterwards. I call his story, The Man Who Lived Twice. My story, The Man Who Lived Twice, begins on the gallows, where Professor Carl Muller, world-famous scientist, is about to die for murder. As the executioner finishes adjusting the rope around the condemned man's neck, the warden speaks. Well, Muller, is there anything you wish to say? Only this. You are hanging me for a crime I did not commit. Very well. Then I shall become a criminal, a murderer. And you, warden, you shall be one of the first to feel my vengeance. Proceed with the execution. Professor Williams. Yes, come quickly. Of course. Everything's ready and waiting. Right here. Good. Start the artificial heart pumping. Of course. Thanks to the governor's special order, everything went smoothly. Look, John. So you got it. Yes. The law has Professor Muller's dead body, but we have his head. The head containing the wonderful brain of Carl Muller. The governor thought I wanted to dissect it, but we'll bring it to life. You must work fast. In ten minutes, with luck, we'll have brought back to life the genius that was Carl Muller. We've won, Professor. Look, his eyes, they blinked. Yes. Now they're opening. They're staring at us. 
His brain lives and knows what we're doing. Now, John, we must find some way to let that mighty brain we've rescued from the grave speak to us, so that its great work may be carried on. Come, John, we must work fast. For many days, Professor Williams and John tried to build some kind of vocal apparatus which would enable Carl Muller's still living head to speak to them. But each effort failed, until at last they became desperate. Another failure. John, I'm afraid we're beaten. There must be some way, Professor. Look, Muller's eyes are watching us. He knows what's happening. I'll bet he could tell us what to do if he could talk. Yes, but he can't. What was that? Something in the road outside. Uh, an automobile accident, perhaps. Oh, of course. John, we may not be able to keep Muller's head alive much longer. Unless we can communicate with him. I need his advice. There must be some answer. Muller's notes give full details. Someone at the door. Quick, lock it. No one must enter this room. Help me. I... It's someone who's hurt. I... He's bleeding. I... That crash we heard. Please help me. Accident guy in the tree. was thrown out and blooded. Hey, hey, ah! Catch him, quick. I've got him. He's fainted. Put him down on the couch here. Uh, let me look at him. Mm. What is it? This fellow's dead. A bit of steel has apparently entered the temple here and pierced the brain. I'm surprised that he even lived to reach the door. Dead? Well, then I better phone the police to send the morgue wagon. Yes, I... No. Wait. Yes, Professor? John, look at this stranger whose dead body fate has brought us. His head is the same size and shape as Carl Muller's. Professor Muller's brain should fit into this stranger's head almost exactly. Yes, but listen. Here we have a sound body with a damaged brain. Over there is Muller's brain alive, but with no body. John, we're going to do it. We're going to put Muller's brain into this stranger's body and truly bring Muller back to life again. Say, uh, Doctor, tonight's story has me a little worried. Do you think you could give us a little idea of what happened next? Mm, certainly. You're going to spend no more than 40 seconds talking about Adam Hat. Oh, I can do it in 30. Gentlemen, the way an Adam Hat keeps its smart appearance is something to marvel at. There's very little fussing with brims or constant blocking. Because an Adam is made of high-quality, long-wearing, all-fur felt. Adam Hats are designed for fashion, too. Coming in a wide variety of distinctive shades and shapes so that you can choose the atom that's right for you. There's a flair to an atom that just naturally does something for a fellow. Prices are only $3.45 to $10 at Adam Hat stores and authorized dealers everywhere. Tomorrow, make an investment in your personal appearance. Buy yourself an Adam Hat. Now, back to Dr. Weird. Now to continue my story, The Man Who Lived Twice. For an hour, Professor Williams and John worked swiftly to carry out the task of transferring the living brain of Carl Muller into the body of the stranger, so uh, providentially brought to them by fate. At the end of that time... Look, John, he's breathing. The operation was successful. Yes, I can feel a pulse beat. Switch off the pumps. See? He lives! He lives! The body, yes. But the brain. Will that live too? Only time will tell us. Mm -hmm. 
For weeks, the two scientists tended their amazing patient day and night. And then one day, the stranger's body moved, a sign that the transplanted brain had taken control of its new home. So after that, it was only a matter of days before Carl Muller was able to get up and dress and inspect in a mirror the new body that had become his. Uh, yes. Yes, Professor Williams, you have done well. Excellently. I find it hard to believe this is truly me, Carl Muller. But it is. And how the world will marvel when it learns the truth. Well, the world, yes. Tell me. This body that is now mine, to whom did it belong before our little transfer? You were named Larry Johnson, Professor. That's about all we know. You see, there was an accident and... Yes, I know. I witnessed the arrival of Mr. Johnson, I remember. But you know nothing of this Larry Johnson who staggered in so fortunately that day to present me with his body? No, we never made any inquiries. We didn't want to attract attention. You are wise. Does not matter who I was. What does matter is that I am now Carl Muller, a genius with 50 years of life still ahead of him. But, of course, I cannot use the name of Muller. What do you mean? Carl Muller was convicted for the crime of murder because the subject died in an experiment. So Carl Muller must stay dead. But as Larry Johnson, a new scientific genius, will arise to astound the world. What that means? It means that no one must ever know what happened in this laboratory. No one ever know. It must be a secret, always. And for another reason, too. Those fools who convicted me, they must be made to pay, and they shall with their lives. What are you saying? I was convicted of murder. I shall become a murderer. The judge, the prosecutor, the jury, they shall all feel my vengeance. That's madness, Muller. Listen to me. Your brain's been affected by what's happened. My brain is clear and stronger than ever. I shall have my vengeance secretly, cleverly. My victims, they will cower in terror the thought I am striking back at them from beyond the grave. I've been making my plans as I convalesced. No, we'll stop you. Will you? I think not. John, look out. He's got a scalpel in his hand. He's got it! You've killed him. Yes. Now it is your turn. No, stay away from me. You must die so my secret will remain safe. You're mad. I'm a genius. The world, it will cover my feet before I am through. But enough of talking. Uh, No. No. Let me go. Let me. All who stand in my way shall suffer the same fate. Uh, uh, now, now no one in the world knows that Carl Muller, who died on the gallows, lives again. A few hours later, Carl Muller left the house. His plan was simple. He would take over Larry Johnson's identity, claiming that the accident he had been in had given him amnesia, and he could remember nothing of his past. Confidently, he walked into town, and then stopped to ask the first policeman he met the way to the address he had found in Larry's wallet. Pardon me, officer. Which way is Michigan Avenue, please? Why, you... Larry. Larry Johnson. Why, yes, of course I'm Larry Johnson. What of it? What of it? I'll show you what of it. There, put up your hands or I'll plug you. Oh, just a moment. What is this? I, I have done nothing. You have done nothing. Uh, look, officer, I've been in an accident. My You'll be I... in a worse accident if you try anything. I've got you now. But I don't understand. But... You'll understand when the judge sentences you to hang, you murdering rat. Hang? No. No, this can be. I, I... You'll find out. No, I, I've done nothing. Let go of that gun. No. Let go. I'll not... plug you. 
Give me that gun. I'll shoot no, I'm going to ask I'll shoot you. I warned you. Well, you had it coming. I've only saved the state the price of a trial. Uh, yes. Yes, you have. What was Larry Johnson wanted for, anyway? What were you wanted for? <laughs> for holding up a bank messenger and then killing Officer Clancy in your getaway, that's all. Yeah, and for stealing a getaway car which you wrecked and abandoned out in the suburbs. Uh, no. No. Wanted for murder. The, the body I, I took was wanted for murder. Uh, <laughs> no. Poor Professor Muller. To think that after being executed, he should get a brand new body, only to find himself wanted for murder all over again. <laughs> it looks as if fate was determined he should stay dead, doesn't it? And he has, uh, since then. In fact, he's buried in the cemetery outside. He's the only man in the world who has two graves and is buried in both of them. Would you like me to show them to you? Oh, you're leaving. I hope you'll drop in again soon. Just look for the house on the other side of the cemetery. The house of Dr. Weir. The Strange Dr. Weir. Good evening. Come in, won't you? Why, what's the matter? You seem a bit nervous. Perhaps the cemetery outside this house has upset you. But there are things far worse than cemeteries. For instance, an hypnotic force which drives a person to murder, as in the story I want to tell you tonight. A story I call The Knife of Death. My story, The Knife of Death, begins several years ago in the city of London. All London is blacked out, waiting for the nightly visit of German bombers. Henry Hawkins, an air raid warden, slowly makes his way through a street filled with wreckage with the aid of a blackout lantern. As Big Ben strikes the hour, Hawkins stops and listens. Is that you, Albert? Yep. None other, Henry, my lad. It's 10 o'clock and I'm here to relieve you. Look at this street, will you? Pretty mess them Jerry's made of it last night. Aye, he's hardly outstanding. Well, I'd best be getting on home now, but before the missus begins worrying. I'll walk a bit of the way with you, Henry. Thanks, Albert. Yeah, you mind the wreckage now, Henry? Oh. This lantern ain't much, but without it, we'd break our necks. Half a minute, Albert. Shine your light this way, will you? Huh? What's up? I kicked something that was... Here it is. Blimey, it's a knife. Aye. Well, I'll clean it up a bit. Henry, look. The handle of that knife. Why, well, it's blood red. Aye. The handle seems to be carved out of some kind of stone. Looks like ruby to me. How oh, does it, that? Look at the way it gleams and glitters, Henry. I've never seen anything like it. Nor have I. The handle looks like a pool of blood. 
And when you hold the lantern close to it, the fire of the stone seems to go right through you. Henry, what's come over you? Come off it, will you? Fire of the stone makes me feel all warm inside and strong. It does, eh? Let me hold it a bit, Henry. No. Now, just a minute, Henry. Half of that knife is mine. I helped you find it, didn't I? Stop reaching for it. It's mine, I tell you. Half of that knife is mine. I've got a right to hold it. Now, give it here. Oh, try to take it from me, will you? Well, take this, Henry. Yeah. Don't. Ah! What? What have I done? Albert. Albert, speak to me. Oh, I didn't mean to stab you, Albert. Dead. I've murdered him. If they catch me, they'll hang me for this. I've got to get out of here. Is that you, Henry? Yes. Where have you been? It's half past twelve. I stopped at the corner pub. Henry, you've been drinking. Well, what if I have? The man has a few drinks and yet as though he's murdered someone. Well, I've got a right to take a few drinks. Stop shouting, Henry. I'm not deaf. Here, I'll hang up your coat for you. I can hang it up myself. <gasps> what fell out of... Why, it's a knife. Henry, what are you doing with a knife? I found it. Here, let it alone. It's mine. Why, there's... There's fresh blood all over the blade. Why, look, Millie. It's just the color of the ruby angle. Henry... How did blood get on that blade? It glows and glitters like it was alive. Mm. It makes me feel all warm inside. Mm. Warm and strong. Henry, you frighten me when you talk like that. You'd best give me that knife. No, take it anyway, it's mine. Henry, you're drunk. Now give it here. Give it here, I say. No, I'll give it to you. Like this. Ah! Oh. oh! Henry, you... You stabbed me. What have I done? Millie, speak to me. Oh, I didn't mean to do it, love. It's this knife. It's a cursed knife that made me do it. Oh, Millie, what have I done? Poor Millie. Poor Henry. What's going to happen, Dr. Weird? Well, I'll tell you. Can you keep something under your hat? Somehow, Doctor, you remind me of something I was going to say, if you'll uh, pardon the brief interruption. Under more and more hats these days, right inside, you'll find the familiar Adam crest of quality. It's no coincidence that these Adam hats are worn by well-dressed men. Men who know quality instinctively recognize the genuine superiority of an Adam in the fine fur belt, the expert craftsmanship, and the correct styles. What's more... Adam hats come in a wide choice of styles and colors and shapes. Triple assurance that you'll get the hat that's right for you. Next time you go stepping out, wear an Adam. People will notice the difference. Now let's step into the Hawkins house again. Dr. Weir. And now to continue my story, The Knife of Death. The neighbors hearing Mrs. Hawkins cry out as she was stabbed, called Corporal Mason, a bobby who was on duty nearby. When Mason entered the Hawkins' house, he found Henry sitting in a chair, his face buried in his hands. Mrs. Hawkins was dead, the murder weapon on the floor beside the body. Corporal Mason notified Scotland Yard, and 20 minutes later, there was a knock on the door. 
Stay where you are, Hawkins. I'll answer the door. Oh, good evening, Corporal. Good evening, sir. I'm Inspector King of Scotland Yard. This is Sergeant Roberts. How do you do, sir? Good evening. Mm, nasty mess. Nothing's been touched? No, sir. I presume this is the dead woman's husband? Yes, sir. Henry Hawkins, his name is. Oh. Now then, Hawkins, I must ask you a few questions. I warn you, however, that anything you may say may be used in court against you. You understand? Yes, sir. Very well. Hawkins, you confess to the murder of your wife? Yes. I killed her. But it wasn't my fault. The knife, it, it drove me to it. The knife drove you to it? I'm afraid I don't understand. It not. With its cursed blood red handle, it made me do it. Mm. It is a most unusual looking knife with that blood red handle. Strange. What is that? In some report or other in our files, I recall reading something about a knife with a blood red handle. Now, where did I read that? Oh, well, never mind. Um, Hawkins, where did you get that knife? While I was coming off air aid duty tonight, I stumbled on it. It's a wreckage. Eh? Where was this? Miller Court, sir, right off Dorset Street. Miller's Court? Miller's Court, you say? Yes, sir. I, Joe, now I remember where I read about the knife with the blood red handle. Really, sir? Yes. It was in the file of Jack the Ripper. Jack the Ripper? Yes. In 1886, Jack the Ripper attacked a woman near Hanbury Street. The victim was found dying, but before she died, she muttered a few words about being stabbed by a knife with a handle... Red as blood. Surely, sir, you don't think there's any connection between Jack the Ripper's knife and that one lying there on the floor? Now, there's more to my story, Mason. Do you remember the name of Jack the Ripper's last victim? Why, yes, it was Marie Kelly. She was murdered in November 1888. Quite right, Corporal. Do you remember where her body was found? Why, no, sir, can't say as I do. Her body was found in Miller's Court right off Dorset Street. Miller's Court? Well, that's where Hawkins said he found the knife that's lying there on the floor. Exactly. You trying to tell us, Inspector, that the knife Hawkins found belonged to Jack the Ripper? Or that he's been lying in the street these past 50 years? No, no, no. Not lying in the street, Corporal. What if, after Jack the Ripper had murdered Marie Kelly, he had lost the knife at the scene of the crime? Say, for example, it dropped into a drain and the bombs that fell in Miller's Court last night... Turned it up again. Oh, come now, sir. Why, unless you be saying that Hawkins is right, that there is something about that knife that drives people to commit murder with it. There is, I tell you. There is. When you hold it in your hand, it seems to come alive. Drives you against your will to kill. Oh, you're daft. No, meaning, of course, that you think I'm daft, too? Oh, no, sir. I didn't mean that, sir. Well, only... I'll admit it's rather a wild theory. But what if it were true? Don't you see that might account for Marie Kelly being the Ripper's last victim? Once he lost the knife, he was no longer driven to murder. But, sir, you don't really believe that knife had an evil force behind it, do you? No, no, I suppose not, and yet... Well, it's an interesting theory. Oh, yes, sir, yes, sir, quite. Yes, yes, quite. <clears throat> uh, Sergeant Roberts. Yes, sir. You remain here with Corporal Mason while I take the prisoner to Scotland Yard. Yes, sir. Nothing's to be touched, mind you. I'll send the technical staff over at once. Very good, sir. All right, come along, Hawkins. Yes, sir. I say, Sergeant, isn't it about time they were retired in the inspector? <laughs> he acts a bit balmy. Yeah, yeah, have a little more respect there. Oh, come off it. Even you've got to admit the old man sounds balmy. <laughs> Imagine saying that the knife there on the floor once belonged to Jack the Ripper, <laughs> and there's an evil force behind it. <laughs> the old man's always getting queer ideas. Well, that's just about the queerest I ever heard. Yeah, it's an unusual knife, all right, with that, that red handle, but... Evil force behind it. <laughs> Here now, don't you go picking it up. Take, take it easy, will you? I'm using a handkerchief to pick it up, ain't I? 
Just want to take a closer look at it. You heard what the inspector said. Nothing was to be touched. You know, the handle does seem to sort of glitter and glow. It makes you feel warm inside. Well, now you've done it. You put your hand all around the handle and spoiled the fingerprints. Feels good to hold it like this. Mason, as your superior, I order you to put that knife down. Put it down, do you hear? Makes you feel strong. Here, give me that knife. No, it's mine. Keep away. You're... Are you daft? Give it to me. Uh, stay away from me. I'll teach you to disobey an order. You'll hand it over or I'll... I'll just take it from me, would you? All right, take it! He's dead. I killed him. This bloody knife. It drove me to kill him. I didn't want to do it, but it made me. Inspector, he must have been right. It's the knife. It is the knife of Jack the Ripper. Too bad about poor Mason, wasn't it? But as everyone knows, a knife is a dangerous thing to play with. Particularly a knife with a blood-red handle that glows and glitters with a hypnotic force. What happened to it? It's under lock and key at Scotland Yard. And strangely enough, when Henry Hawkins and Corporal Mason were tried for murder, a death weapon wasn't offered in evidence. Inspector King was afraid to have anyone handle it. Oh, by the way, if you should ever come across a knife with a blood-red ruby handle... Oh, you have to go. Perhaps you'll drop in on me again soon. Just look for the house on the other side of the cemetery. The house of Dr. Weir. That's it for Strange Tales for this week. You can find more from the strange Dr. Weird, Strange Tales, all the other podcasts, and thousands of other old-time radio episodes at relicradio.com. Don't forget, while you're there, if you'd like to help support it all, visit donate.relicradio.com or click on one of the links. Thanks to those who have helped out. Thanks for joining me today. Be back next Sunday with another episode of Relic Radio's Strange Tales. Strange Tales.